Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And this is why we live in northern Arizona. We had a storm front come through. I mean, I think last weekend I was wearing shorts and t-shirts. It was so nice. It was so uncommon for January. Then we get a little storm front coming through and it really wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be. I actually thought there'd be some snow and some more, at least here in Prescott. We saw some flurries, but nothing accumulated so far. And so we need some. We need it to be colder, but we're a four-season climate, but really mild. And that's why we that's why we love northern Arizona. It's just so nice up here. If you drop down to, let's say, Black Canyon City, uh, down down to that 3,000-foot level and below, that's a whole other type of way of, of gardening. So there, it, nothing translates from down there to up here. And, and vice versa, nothing up here translates down. Everyone wants a lilac down in Phoenix. I'm going, well, it just doesn't have enough chilling hours. It needs to have so many hours of cold in winter before it triggers blooming. Fruit trees, the same way. There's desert varieties of apples, and there's desert varieties of, or, or mountain varieties of apples, and, and they don't grow in each other's zones or each other's climates. So you need to get the right variety for your landscape. Your, and the, ele, the demarcation line, the, the elevation line, really seems to be Black Canyon City. You come up that hill up I-17, all of a sudden you top out at Cordes Junction, Spring Valley, and those areas, and it's a whole nother type of, there you can see some snow. It gets frost. It's four seasons. Just a few miles down the hill, it doesn't. But then you see swaros starting to grow on the side of the hill going down I-17. You see that. You can see where the zone is changing right before your eyes within just a few miles. And that's what I love. Another reason I love Arizona. I can go from Prescott, Arizona. I can go north and go skiing all day long up in Flagstaff. It's beautiful. And then I can go within the same day almost, run down the hill and go golfing down in Phoenix. It's just beautiful. That's what we love. It's like magic. No other place in the country is like this. But when you start planting, that's why you want to hone in on when is you want to work with your environment with your changes of the season and not against it. And so sometimes you're bringing your habits from Phoenix. You're bringing your habits from Georgia, from Florida, from L.A., from wherever, Nevada. And you're bringing them here. You're trying to do the same things at the same time. And, and you wonder why you struggle. One idea is roses. We are famous for roses. So, so the high altitudes, roses love growing in the Central Highlands throughout Arizona. Um, many, many roses are actually started from cuttings down or from rootings or graftings down in Phoenix. They're started there in huge beds, tightly packed, and they'll harvest those and pot them up all around the country uh, in, in containers. And they'll flush them out, fill them, and groom them for a year or two. And then they sell them in these big five-gallon plants. Well, they're grown there. And if you grow roses in Phoenix, they do wonderfully. But you'll typically prune those in November. December. Here in the mountains of Arizona, we do not want to do that. It's totally opposite. It's because of the altitude. So here, 
we want that structure of that plant, that those that rose specifically. I find uh, um, autumn sage is the same way. Some plants are like this, where it's better to keep that foliage up over that plant and until the harshness of winter is over. And we're not done. I know it's January and it's beautiful. You new timers, you, this is your first season. You kind of get lulled into this. Oh, this is going to stay like this. Nope. It's going to get cold again. There'll be another snowstorm. There'll be another frost. And really, that can happen anytime until the mid to end of April. It can just happen. Then it just gets glorious. It's just beautiful. But it'll be beautiful during the day in March, in mid-February. It's, it's glorious now. It just gets real cool at night. Well, that messes with some plants. And so you want to keep that foliage up on that plant to protect the cane or those grafts. So here, rosarians, local rosarians, we, we use March as our month to prune roses. And it, it'll hurt you because they're starting to bud. You're seeing leaves out. You're going, oh, I've, I should have done it earlier. Nope. You just want to wait till the harshness, that, that bitter cold. And it can happen all the way up until the end of February. It can be really that bone-chilling cold. And that's if it gets down to the graft and damages that graft. Uh, it, it can affect your rose. So we keep the foliage up. Then we prune them back. I've, I've actually cheated to the end of February. But really, March is what local rosarians, that's the, the, the calendar month that you're pruning roses here in the high country. It's unique to this part of, of Arizona, of the southwest. So you need to know, get in that rhythm. Another one we use is Mother's Day for the lower elevations, let's say Prescott, Prescott Valley, even Sedona, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's the end of April. Uh, we'll use the last frost date for Kingman, some of the Cordes Junction, Spring Valley. Um, it could be as high as Memorial Day for Williams, Flagstaff, White Mountains. So, but basically we're using May is our last frost date. That's our time, that's our demarcation line, that's our, that's our date. We go, oh, we can start planting summer things. Zinnias can go in. Oh, the uh, uh, bougainvilleas can go in. All that thing, things that do not like frost will wait till after the last frost. Before that, we're planting lilacs. We're planting forsythia. We're planting fruit trees. We're planting uh, not tomatoes. They don't like the cold. Well, I, I wait till the end of May to plant mine. Uh, but I will plant my uh, lettuce and cauliflower and spinach and pansies and petunias, they love the spring. They love frost. They're okay with that. They do better when it's cool. They struggle in the heat. So you need to know in your yard where that line is. And so one that we use first and last frost. So Prescott, Arizona, this is our first frost. In fact, May 8th is our last frost of the season. That's 100 years of data. It seems to land on May 8th. Now this year could be a little sooner. It feels like spring is going to hit early. So I predict probably the third or fourth week in April, you can start planting tomatoes. You're all in. Go for it and not have to worry about frost. Now, you folks with greenhouses, you're going, <laughs> I don't have to listen to all that because uh, I got a greenhouse. I can, I store all my stuff inside. Well, that's cheating. That, that's for those of us that work with nature, not artificial bubble called a greenhouse. Okay, you can cheat it a month, six weeks, two months almost. So the rules are off for you all. That's a beauty of having greenhouses. But for the rest of us, the common folks, we're using May 8th as the last frost date of spring. The first frost date we usually use as, as Halloween, but really the official 100 years of data, 
October 29th, that's when the first frost typically hits. Now, this last year, 2020, now everything was weird in 20, so we're trying to trying to erase all those memories, but remember we had that freakish uh, frost, when was that? First of April or something like that. It got real cold, then it turned nice again. That was weird. That's not normal. Normally, we don't have that until October 29th. That's a funny thing about averages. So it's never May 8th. We, we use Mother's Day as a holiday, which is typically somewhere in there. Uh, we're watching it, so at least we've got a holiday we can focus on. Halloween, it's not exactly there, but we kind of have a, we, we know what to put it on our radar. Uh, but it's something to watch so you can go cover sheets. You can you can go plant earlier. Like I'll plant some tomatoes in my gardens, first of April. But I've got them protected. I've put them in walls of water. There's some plant protectors. You put a little mini greenhouses over each and every plant. I don't commit my entire garden to it. Just a few kind of, I mean, I have a radio show. I got to brag about that first tomato. It needs to be at least a week before you pick yours. And so I'm trying to cheat it a little bit. I am planting fruit trees, evergreens. Um, you can go carpet roses, forsythias. We got some beautiful, beautiful Arizona cypress in. Beautiful um, Austrian pines, pinyon pines. So you can start planting. You just have to be wise at what you're planting and when. And so that's where knowing your garden sources, knowing your garden centers, know the professionals that kind of been in there or know your neighbors that have, that have been gardening for years. They love sharing information with, with neighbors and friends or fans or other gardeners. All right, got a lot in store this show. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green. This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks. A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39. Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? What's the buzz? And people are gardening, aren't they? It's been busy at the garden center. <laughs> They're getting their beds prepared for vegetable gardens, yeah. perennial gardens, uh, starting to think fruiting things. So yeah, people are out. Yeah, I was surprised last week's garden column was on how to prepare your bed. Just we're, mm -hmm. whatever we're doing in our gardens, you know, we're gardeners. Here's, and we just share that idea. 
and we've been getting, getting garden beds. Here's the recipe. Here's what you do. Mm-hmm. And that hit a nerve. Yeah. People came in droves. And I think, and the fertilizer went off the, off the chart. So mm-hmm. lots of fertilizer sales for, for not just garden beds, but for fruit trees, just right. landscape shrubs. Mm-hmm. I think they were taking advantage of that rain or I that weather so. storm coming through. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect for that. Just right. perfect. Yeah. So if you're if you're thinking about gardening, let me know. This coming week, I'm, I'm contemplating. I'm trying to throw through an idea. Uh, wildflowers. Just trying to think through the uh-huh. column's not written yet, but, but spreading some seed out. How do you mm-hmm. do it? And so I'll, that's next week's garden column. It's probably preview. next week's radio show. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of flows together. Sure. So anyway. Yeah. So I, I actually thought your article on preparing your beds was very good because I get a lot of people who say, you know, the first year I did these beds, everything performed wonderfully. It was beautiful. Second year, not so much. And I think people forget when you're growing in those raised beds, yeah. you're pulling nutrient out yeah. of that soil and you have to put it back in. You're not just pulling uh, nutrients out. You're storing junk in. So those roots, the leftover things that were grown, those those old roots, they compost down and they actually take nitrogen from the plants you're planting the next year. So you need to add some freshness, some vitality to your garden beds, especially if they're heavily used. Right. Raised beds, that's called square foot gardening or density gardening. Mm-hmm. So you're using every square inch of that soil. And so you actually take out even more. So quickly you can have your nutrients gone so it doesn't perform well. I would say the same thing happens if you've got lilacs and forsythia, things you want, fruit trees, you want them to bloom, Mm -hmm. you should be fertilizing those things right now because the buds are being used. The buds, they're forming this year's fruit right now as we speak. And so if you if you didn't revitalize, add some nutrients to that soil around those roots or those mm-hmm. flowering, fruiting plants, you'll find that the lilacs, all of a sudden, you had beautiful blooms, then you had smaller blooms, and then you had no blooms. And so this is progression. So lilacs are very heavy feeders. Uh, Forsythia is very heavy feeders. A, an apple tree, very heavy. Right. They need to be replenished that mm-hmm. way. Maybe not like a garden bed, you know, tomatoes are going in here, or lettuce. Right. But you need to be thinking through the, the nutritional value. And this is hard for folks from the South, Midwest, where you've got eight-foot <laughs> topsoil. Yeah. They just don't realize eight millimeter isn't the same as, as, as eight feet. Right. And so there you can spit on it. It's nutrition. It's got enough <laughs> nutrients to keep it going. Here it runs out, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely different soils here. Garden but, questions, though, right? Yes, we do have questions. So Jeff has two large flowering plums in his front yard that he needs to trim up and shape. Yeah. He's noticed these weird little branches that go straight up <laughs> yeah. off of his, his lateral branches. And he wants to know, what are those? Should they be trimmed off? Do you leave them? What do you do? Yeah, good, good, good eye. That's good. So fruit trees in general, whether it's a flowering fruit tree, plum, or, or fruiting one, they kind of grow the same. The difference is an ornamental generally well, has been bred to have very small fruits or no fruits, or they bloom so early that we purposely have them bloom early and set the stage so that the fro- fruit will be frosted off or right. frozen off. There's two approaches. Either way, the structure grows the same. They're the same genetic makeup. So a plum is a plum, an apple's an apple. A peach is a peach, a cherry is a cherry. And sometimes they do like to grow and clog up the middle. Mm-hmm. And so with a fruit tree in general, this is specific for fruit, fruiting, bl- blooming kind of plants. 
they'll get these suckers, these crossing branches to the inside. You do want to take those off. And generally, you'll go right back to the next lateral branch. So you'll follow that. Let's see, it's shooting straight up. Mm -hmm. That looks funny. Yeah, I want it to be more of this V-shaped, like a plum should be. I can Mm -hmm. picture what what he's asking. Well, there you'd follow that lateral branch right back to the next, probably the main base-shaped trunk, not trunk, but branch Branch. coming out, and cut it right back, right back to the nub so that you open up the middle of this structure. If you don't open up the middle, what happens is uh, diseases. These are are high-sugared, high, they have a lot of calories in them, so, Mm -hmm. so bugs like them and fungus and disease likes them. Mm-hmm. And so you want some sunlight and some air to go through that structure. Well, sometimes they can grow so aggressive that they're really happy. They get they right. just clog each other up. The air doesn't flow. The sun can't get through. And so your fruit is either not as sweet or not as much. And you'll have what's called shot holes, specifically in plums, pitted fruits. They have this thing called shot hole. It looks like you took a shotgun and pulled the trigger <laughs> and it goes through the leaves, has little tiny holes all through it. It doesn't kill the tree. It can reduce some of your production or some of your blossoms, but it doesn't really affect the health overall. But a bacteria gets in there and starts to eat the sugars in the leaf. Mm-hmm. Well, that affects the, the health of the plant. By opening up that structure, it helps to reduce some of that. And so it's pretty common. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you have a question, take a photo, bring it in. Uh, if you can take an actual physical picture, put it on paper. Remember when you used to use paper, <laughs> not digital devices? We can actually put a Sharpie and go, take this one off, take this one off, take this one off. Or that looks pretty good. Or no, that mm-hmm. branch, just trim it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. We can help guide you if, you if you need help with that. Right. And I know we do a whole pruning class yeah. eventually. But I do have a quick question with those suckers that are yeah. coming off. So normally when you're pruning, you, you, you prune back to the neck or the collar. Uh, is that true with the suckers, or you go right back to the branch? So usually with suckers, they're not coming off the main trunk. They're mm-hmm. coming off the lateral branches, and then they're shooting straight up. Right. So you'd go back to that next lateral branch. Okay. If it is actually coming off the main trunk, yeah, I guess you would. But they're, they're usually it's not as problematic. Suckers on the main branch usually come from the ground, yes. right at the roots. Mm-hmm. And they call them water suckers. They'll start coming up from the roots, and they're below the graft. Mm-hmm. And so they're not desirable. They do take away from the energy of that tree. They're taking nutrients and water away from the main trunk. So you do want to cut those off. And a little secret there, just be as rough as you can. Don't be a nice clean cut on those Uh, bottom at the roots. uh Just rip them off if you can. Be really aggressive and and leave it kind of like a a wound on your arm, Mm. a really gnarly wound that's just open and gangly. It doesn't heal very well, but a nice, let's say you take a razor blade or something, it heals right away. Mm-hmm. Same with those suckers. Rip them off so that their the bark is half off. Just kind of be aggressive. Take a lawnmower to them. It's the best <laughs> thing you can do. So, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next question is from Dan. He's having to fix a major water leak in his yard. And he's having to dig up about a foot from a large maple tree. And his question is, what effect is that going to have on the tree? Is there anything he can do to help uh, with that? What damage might occur? Sure. So if you got to cut a major root, I mean, one root is not a big deal to a tree. It's like taking off a limb up top. Like one big limb, not a big deal. I mean, if it's a main tap root, maybe, but that's so rare to find that. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that he just ran into root. If if you don't run into roots, not a big deal. You don't worry about it. 
if you have to cut something, let's say with a sawzall and it's pretty good size, yeah, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to affect. You might want to increase the water a little bit until it regrows that root. If it's a really big one and you're really worried, what you can do, there's a product. You're going to fertilize that when you're all done. So use the all-purpose plant food for maples. It's the mm-hmm. best food without question. But if you need more root structure, you need to regrow the roots. If the plant's stressed, this isn't just irrigation uh, damage. Right. This is the plant got drought stressed. Give it uh, humic, H-U-M-I-C, humic. It's humic acid. It's in a bag. It's granular. And it's humic acid actually helps plants regrow roots specifically. That's what it's for. It actually feeds the worms. Mm-hmm. It feeds the soil. So the plants see the great soil and goes, oh, this has got to be healthy. I want to root out more here because look what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's just the opposite of food, but it helps bring in the beneficials, mycorrhizals, worms, and causes plants to root. So you might give it some humic and some all-purpose food. The plant will never know. I mean, just you need to really butcher a plant <laughs> to have it be damaged and not go back. So don't, don't worry about it. You could do your irrigation repair and away you go. All right, Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, we will be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Prescott Alberta Spruce. This perfectly shaped tree displays dense green needles which are as soft as a teddy bear. The perfect front yard Christmas tree for holiday lighting and oh, so beautiful when matched in pairs at the front door. Hand grown, these are perfectly shaped and sized for home accents and just $69. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love twinkly little Christmas trees, they love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Last weekend's, or last week's garden column, was on how to soils. And a lot of folks came in. So lots of folks are preparing their soil. Generally, you get your soils ready for your gardens, whether it's a raised bed, containers, uh, out there just in, 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 the, in the landscape someplace, in the gardens. If you get them ready, put, you front load them with lots of nutrients, manures, soil, bone meals. You get them really invigorated. But you don't want to plant directly right afterwards. So you always want to get those things ready about a month ahead. And then you want to pray for rain. So you folks who were getting them ready last weekend, perfect. Now we've had some moisture. You want a couple more storms. And then you plant about a month away. So if the planting season 
is the end of February, first part of March. And that's when you start to plant your pansies, your violas. That's when you start to put in your ornamental kales. That's when you put in your lettuce, spinach, cauliflowers, carrots. I mean, just a whole series of things. Anything with a foliage, you're harvesting the foliage or the flower, let's say like broccoli. That's actually a flower bud you're actually eating. Those like to be planted when it's cool. The flavor comes out better. If you can plant those things and have it snow on them, have it frost, it makes the flavor get much deeper, richer. If you wait to plant those to more of the traditional, let's say when you plant tomatoes when it's hot, the summer crops, they start to bolt. The flavor goes off on your lettuce. It just it loses it. It starts, the, the head of the cauliflower gets smaller because it's starting to bolt. You really want to plant those things early in the mountains of Arizona. So usually March is when you start. This year, it may be a little bit earlier. So that's the reason I'm getting my beds ready now. And so I'm ready to plant when those first crops. The next thing comes into seed or plant starts. Which one should I use? Well, for me, I, I'll start my radishes, carrots by seed. It's just the only way to do it. Um, but most things, I'm, I'm starting with a plant. And here's the reason why. Seed out in the soils, whether it's a container or a raised bed, wherever it's at, outside in the soil, when you've got a temperature that has these huge swings, daytime, so 40, 50 degree swings between daytime and nighttime, that messes with some of your seedlings. It's harder. It takes much, much longer to get the seed to germinate because the nighttime temperatures are so cool. If you're starting with a plant, let's say you're going to be six, eight, nine weeks ahead of the seed production time. So you're starting with a plant that's already going and growing. And so your, your take is much faster. So you have more success. And then the start time, you can regulate when it's actually starting to grow and, and in the gardens right away. So you can gain easily two months worth of growing season, two months worth of harvest, two months, you can gain two months easy by doing starts. This really becomes apparent with your warm season crops, tomatoes, things that form a, a fruit, carrots, or not carrots, um, um, cucumbers and eggplants and beans and things that form you know, tomatoes. These things that are summer plants. Here, the locals here, at least in the Central Highlands area, this is Sedona to Prescott Valley to Paulden, this Central Highlands of Arizona, we use Mother's Day as the demarcation line between summer planting and spring planting. You do not want to put a plant that likes the summer. You, they don't like the frost. You want to wait till you're out of the frost potential to plant your summer plants. And those are things that form a fruit. And so that's usually Mother's Day is what we put. Before that, you're putting all your spring plants. This is when your lettuce thrives. This is when your spinach, cauliflower, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, all that stuff you're planting, you're harvesting the foliage. That's when they do better. If you're putting seed or if you're putting starts into your gardens, one thing that I didn't mention was what do I do with my containers and raised beds? Well, there I want to take the top layer where the roots are going to be receiving those new plants. I want some fresh potting soil in there. And so I'm going to take that top layer of my big container. I don't replace all the soil in that pot, but I replace the top layer and I'm putting fresh potting soil. Water's potting soil. That's our, our grower came up with that many years ago. And it's our grower's mix. It's what we start seedlings and cuttings in. And so if you can put a plant that's been, that's all it's known its entire life is water's potting soil. 
and you take it out of this six pack or four inch or gallon size pot and you put it into that, into your gardens and the, your gardens, the top layers, water's potting, more of that same soil, they're going to go, whoa, this is great. I'm just going to keep on growing and grow, grow, grow. No transplant shock. Plants do not like to adapt to different kinds of soils. Just like you don't like to go from Arizona to a real humid climate, that's just hard on us. Or, or from warm to crazy cold, you don't like to change. And plants are just like people. They don't like different, they don't like changing their soil types. And so you can keep it the same, at least that top layer. So it's helping a customer with uh, some, some water troughs, big ones. So I wanna, I wanna f top it off. Well, should I do the same for them? I'm going, no. For you, it's different. You've already got it. You've already got soil there. Just put a couple bags of Waters potting soil in this layer and plant directly in that. Don't till it in. Plant directly in that, and you'll have better success. So that's where this gardening is caveats to it. So, all right, that's enough about that. Be right back with Lisa Waters Lane after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice, right for higher elevations, guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. My living room feels so empty. Now that the Christmas tree is gone, the house just seems so blah. Brighten it up with a big, bold, beautiful plant from Waters Garden Center. Fill that cavernous space with tall tropicals, colossal cactus, and sizable succulents that bring the great outdoors indoors. Make a gorgeous green space you can enjoy all year, not just for a season. Unique, exclusive, one-of-a-kind houseplants found only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-Home Garden Consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. All right, Ken and Lisa Lane, but mainly just Lisa, comes in and shares her thoughts. Her, She's an extraordinary gardener. That's got a green thumb. She grew up in the family business. She is a Waters. So her father started Waters Gardens. And a lot of folks come in and go, how do Ken and Lisa, what do the lanes have to do with, with, with Waters? I'm going, well, it's a family name and it's a legacy. It's a thing of pride. You don't dare change the name just because <laughs> Lisa married some good-looking guy that's a great <laughs> business person, good gardener in his own right. That is true. You just you keep the family name with pride and you talk about it and you get together and you have picnics and yep. Christmas dinner and you talk gardening and local small business. And, but that's how it comes, comes about. So when in her youth, were you still in diapers? You were coming in and <laughs> to the garden center. Was it that long ago or was it? Oh yeah. Cause the garden center, you started in what? 62 and I was yep. born in 64. No, don't say that. She's a young I thing. Don't Long after the garden center was started, <laughs> I started coming in. <laughs> so we used to have uh, a pet shop associated with it. And yeah. for a kid, that's, 
I loved coming in because we got to see the oh, fish, sure. the turtles, the birds. Gerbils. You you gerbils. strike me as a, as a chia. Uh, not, they don't, chia pets. That's not an animal, is it? <laughs> no. That's, sorry. Only you rats. <laughs> we had rats. We had, really? We had lots of rats growing up. Like real rat, pet rats. Not did like you have rats snakes? in your house. Never did snakes. Oh. We did some guinea pigs. Yep. We did the rats. We had a uh, minor bird. There is a story. Oh, that minor bird. Oh, my God. He could mimic all of us really? in the family. Yeah. And he had my dad down pat. Because, <laughs> you know, every Sunday morning, we'd girls. Go to go, girls, are you ready to go yet? And that bird could go, girls, are you ready to go yet? Really? He would, people would ring the doorbell or knock on the front door and he'd go, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> he was a crazy bird, but huh. a lot of fun. We had uh, parrot macaws and yeah. know, a lot of different things. So yeah, as a kid, that was a hoot having that. And then they got rid of the pet shop to my disillusionment and then yeah. brought in a flower shop. Ah, so. That's where your floral talents come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Businesses, family businesses are fun. They are fun or, or hideous, one of the two. Well, <laughs> Remember that Italian yeah. uh, food, sh- food <laughs> restaurant we were at down in Tempe? Tempe. And it's, we're like us and one other couple having dinner, Italian. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fancy, you know, white tablecloths. Nice Italian, yeah. And the Italian family goes all Italian on us in oh, Italian I think in maybe, the back. Maybe we don't want to say. <laughs> I, no, oh my gosh. I wonder what's going on. Our food isn't here yet. Yeah. Anyway. They were, you could hear the pans clanging, yeah. loud voices. and It wasn't like food preparation. It was oh no. family squabble this stuff. Was, and we, we don't do that. We don't well, do that. Well, on the floor anyway. We don't we have do that. Squabbles. We have a squabble here we and there. We have heated debates in the proper way to run a garden center, but not, not there's different. I don't think I've ever thrown a plant at you. No. Nope. Yet. Have you broken anything? On purpose? <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> anyway, we, we digress terribly. We're taken away from your garden advice, That's not true. small business squabbles. <laughs> Just in, small business is fun. It's, it's a blessing or a curse like anything, I guess. Sure. So I think it's okay. Yeah, you betcha. So uh, what I wanted to talk about this week is because I've probably had half a dozen or more people in going you know what? I've been in this house a while. I now have neighbors and I haven't had neighbors before. And now I do. And they're building up more on the hillside. So they're looking down at you or the opposite. Maybe they're looking up at you and they see your bedroom windows or your kitchen windows. So a lot of people just, I mean, the area is growing, good or bad, it's growing. So they're just looking for ways to um, block Nicely. And Strategically You know what blocked. I love is a lot of them say, you know, I really like my neighbor. They are like the nicest people in the world. No, we're not mad at them, but we just don't want them looking in our bedroom window. Blame them. I don't either. <laughs> or my hot tub or oh, anything yeah. else. Dinner dinner, and having neighbors go by. You know, your, yeah. your, your dining room's always out front by mm-hmm. the main bay windows, and you're just like... Just like you're in a cage or something and people are, they want to feed you, you know, put 25 cents, get some peanuts and throw them at you so you can have some more or something. You should not feel like that. Right, right. So I thought I would hit on a few of those. I know we've probably talked about it before, but a few of those great plants and trees that are excellent for screens, to use as screens. Um, And a couple that we got in this week that I really like because they're more native. So it's, it's 
get them going, get them established, and you're not going to have to baby these guys along. I mean, you, as always, you've got to watch them, but you're not going to have to baby them along. So the pinion pines, which are a native for here, uh, we've got some really nice ones in, some big fat ones and some tall ones kind of that will fit whatever they're you're stunning. trying to block. Yeah. Um, and they're native. Now, you got to watch them for uh, scale, but if you know that going in, it's very easy to treat and take oh, yeah. care of. Uh, but talk about low water usage and just kind of doing their own thing. They're perfect for that. I tell folks, fertilize them, care for them, put them on the drip system, get them up to size, and then stop all that. Mm-hmm. So you can, once they're up to as big as you want, you don't have to water them again. Right. If they're that tough, or, or rarely, yeah. if you go into drought or something, maybe once a month, but mm-hmm. you take them off the drip system. You can oh, probably sure. hand water those in the backyard where you want something strategic. And if you're caring for them, they're going to be full, thick, almost Healthy. tropical. Whereas the wispy, thin, pathetic ones out in the wild, they're, 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 they need some help. Right. So these will be much fuller, nicer than you mm-hmm. think. I agree. So the other one of that is the Arizona cypress, which is another just yeah. probably faster growing than the pinion, I would yeah. say. But there, give it some time. Let it get established. And you don't have to put it on an irrigation system You know, when they're six, seven, eight years old. You just let them do their own thing. Give them some occasional water. So if you're looking for a very natural screen, something that doesn't require a lot of care, I think those two are perfect. What happens if I'm from the East Coast and I like formal gardens? I want to hedge it, shape it, Dr. Seuss it. What kind of plants <laughs> would you recommend? So if you want to hedge it, then I would look at um, like our Photinia, yeah. uh, the red uh, Thank you, red tip photinias, because those, they're fast growing, you can put them in hedges, you can put them in balls, you can put them in triangles, you can put them whatever you want, (laughs) Uh, but really make a good fast growing screen. I think another one that does that is the Cotoneaster parnii. I think it's pretty if you just let it grow naturally, because it just has a real pretty fountainy vase shape to it. But if you don't like that, you want squares and cubes and rectangles, you can certainly do that. Cubes as are well. good. Cube with a boulder. <laughs> okay, I want my landscape to be a cute patio cube with a boulder. <laughs> that's not a landscape that's for design. The that's that's uh, your neighbors are mocking you. <laughs> but so, yeah, and boxwood would be another one yeah, that you could true. easily put out there and trim and shape to what you uh, wanted. Silverberry, or no, mm-hmm. Eliagnus. Yeah, Silverberry Silver- Eliagnus, the right. native. Mm-hmm. Golden. It's got the golden tip. Right. If you're out in the forest with the deer coming through antelope, they are not going to eat that. But yeah. it still gets overhead high, head mm-hmm. wide, or otherwise wide. Head wide. <laughs> you could shape it yeah. uh, or just let it go wild. Right, right. So there's some good choices for that if you if you really like to hedge and shape. If you want just big things to grow, look at the Austrian pines. Oh, yeah. Super for just letting it do its thing and fill out. Big boys, out. 30, 30 by... 12, mm-hmm. 15 foot wide. Deodor Cedar is oh, another fast. one, huge. Yeah. Uh, but we have a ton here. So if you're looking for a screen, come visit us. I, I, the one question people keep asking, and that it's all the new folks out of mm-hmm. the area, they're going, oh, well, what can I plant now? It's January. Yeah. Going, you should have planted before the storm came. It was <laughs> perfect. It's, it's ideal. Mm-hmm. So you can plant, and there's no risk of transplant shock. Right. So it's cool enough. The, the sap is flowing. They're starting to root. Things are starting to happen. They're budding up nicely. But the cold is not going to hurt them at all. Mm-hmm. It's if you overwater them. That's if right. you go plant something to water it every day, it's going to die. 
It's going to overwater it. It doesn't need that much. Right now, it's Mm -hmm. watered once a week, once every 10 days. It's fine. Once it starts waking up and starts to elongate and grow, that's when you're going to start activating, actively growing, Probably nurturing. Probably about the first part of March. Yeah, March, yeah. April, somewhere in there. It depends on when spring. I'm mm-hmm. hoping we get cold again. So it'll like that. It'll <laughs> slow things down. But yeah. the way it's going, yeah, March 1, oh, yeah. it'll be taken off. Mm-hmm. Good advice, Lisa, how to scream your neighbors out, good ones and bad ones, in your backyard. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Did you know that plants can help you sleep better, naturally? At Waters Garden Center, we have beautiful houseplants that not only look great, they clean the air we breathe. Get this. Some plants can actually produce oxygen at night and even take mold spores out of the air, making for less tossing and turning and more beauty sleep. Don't lose sleep. Rise and shine with unique, gorgeous houseplants for your best rest yet at Waters Garden Center. Sweet dreams. Hi, Waters with this week's Plant of the Week, our true blue Fat Albert Spruce. At just 15 feet, this is the ideal evergreen for small gardens, excellent in front yards with limited space. The color is so blue all year long with the perfect evergreen shape and just $74. Dense, durable, and loves the sun, so it works well as a windbreak, screen, or sound barrier and only found at... Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love the perfect blue spruce love to shop. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Now Lisa was talking about the last segment, the landscape plants that screen things out. So she mentioned a lot of great big plants, super. So I was just helping a customer, just just kind of taking off on that thought. Uh, a customer came in with an iPad. They're going, oh, I live in a, a block wall, basically. Uh, and they had a whole bunch of plants they didn't like. So they'd bought this house. They had a whole bunch of fruit trees on the, the backside. And they just didn't want that. They wanted vines. And well, that's fine. Remodel it. Make it yours. That's good. Uh, and so they were, they were going to do trellis all the way along the backside of that fence they were asking, can I put some more stuff in front of that? Can I, can I stagger it or stair-step it um, towards the back patio? Well, yeah, you can do that. Another idea would be take those trellises, and there's lots of vines that will grow up that trellis. And then typically they'll grow up about three feet above that fence. Let's say you have a five- or six-foot fence. They'll easily grow, let's say, eight or nine feet tall, maybe even taller, so they'll go to the top of that trellis plus spill over up up the top. When you're trimming those back in the winter, trim them back, take some hedges, and go as close to that trellis work, whatever that is, whether it's metal or wire or wood, trim it right back, honeysuckle, silver lace vine, wisteria, whatever it is, trim it right back as close as you can, akebia, keep going, there's lots of vines, close as you can, and then trim it back Trim it down to the top of that trellis and then fertilize them 
And by the by, oh, the end of March, man, they will start growing and actively growing fast again. I just sold uh, four uh, Victoria pyracantha. These are the ones that have either orange or red berries to them. They're classic. I don't even know if they need to trellis up anything. They'll do it by themselves and hold themselves up. But many times folks will start to interwine them with trellises. And eventually they just have this great big green wall of pyracantha. As a kid, that's the one you used to pick the berries off of and you know throw them at each other. Birds love them. Uh, in fact, birds can sometimes get drunk on them. They'll go, they'll actually ferment, and they're having a party back there in your pyracanth. It's a great, uh, great plant for drawing more wildlife into your yard. Those are ideas. Now, sometimes you don't want the the entire thing to be solid. The same same kind of plant. It's kind of monotonous. It's called a monoculture, and it's good if you're doing formal gardens. But we generally have more informal, more natural looking gardens. So in the East Coast, you've got set patterns, geometry, set heights, everything is hedged perfectly. That's where the the boxwood is hedged right up to the front door at exactly the right height, knee height, squared off. And we we have some of that here, but, but really we have more wild or natural type of landscapes. With that, it's better to have a section of that wall be vines or have a section be a a hedge, let's say it's uh, red dynamo photinia or uh, silverberry or eleagnus or euonymus. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do there. Um, there you do a block of it and then you might break it up and have, go with a different variety. For them, what I recommended was, why don't you do 8, 12 feet of one type of, let's say, honeysuckle or whatever vine you like, clematis, and then break it up and put a tree of some sort or a shrub, let's say a lilac in between that. Give it about four feet and then go with another four or 12 foot panel of vines and then break it up, put another lilac. And so it gives it more interest. Yeah, and then you can you can step up or step down from there and have another layer. Let's say it's a flower bed in front of that. And there you've got roses or there you've got whatever you like, barberries or just perennial gardens. You can have some fun with it. So you get a design. So if you don't like the design you have, change it. We live in America, the wealthiest country that's ever existed. Uh, what's it going to cost you? Pull out a tree, you gardeners. I know that's sacrilege, but if you don't like it, it's just to tr- get rid of it. That's why we were allowed to make chainsaws. Cut that thing down and change it out the way you want. Um, another thing I, I tell folks, if you've got something, let's say there's a egregious two-story house and they're looking right down on top of you, breathing down on you, sometimes you can blend in some very fast-growing plants. Aspens grow really fast. Uh, poplars, sycamores, uh, willows, they grow really fast. In fact, they grow too fast. They're too big. But if you want something that grows fast, you put that in there and it, it fills out like in a season or two. It's like right there, they're blocked. But they're not long-lived and they're too big for that space. Sometimes you can put in the smaller things you want to have more permanently. So design it permanently for your, let's say it's a pine tree or you want a spruce or you want vines growing up there. Something that you want long-term. But then I purposely put a sacrificial plant that grows fast right where that bedroom window, right where their their living room, right where their, wherever that privacy point is. And you want some privacy on your back patio. I know I only want that there for five years. 
And in five years, when the rest of the landscape catches up and has blocked that off, I know I'm going to cut that thing down. It's purposely there for a short term. I know this is a hard concept for some of you gardeners out there, but this is a living, breathing thing. I admit it, but it doesn't have to be forever. It can be just for a season or two, and then once the rest of my landscape matures, I can I can get rid of that thing. Because a willow within you know 10, 20 feet of your house, it's not you're it's trashy. It lifts it lifts foundations. I mean, it it lifts patios, walls. I mean, it's just it's aggressive. Sycamores the same way. They're trashy. They're always throwing stuff down. But for a season, it it can work out really well to give you some privacy or some windbreaks or whatever. Block those headlights coming into your house until the juniper hedge gets tall enough or the Arizona cypress gets tall enough or the whatever thing you have. Just a concept I'll throw out there. Hedges, it's a good time. If you can get your, if you have privacy issues, if you can get those in the ground before, into February, into March for sure, before they wake up, if you can put them in the ground, so when they start to wake up for, from spring, they're going, whoa, we're, we're, what just happened? I went to sleep last fall and I woke up here. Well, I guess I'll just grow. And you'll get more growth out of them by planting them early. Late winter, early, early spring, it's just an ideal time to be planting uh, privacy stuff, whether it's a big old pine tree or a sycamore or whatever you happen to have. You need If you need help with that, let us know. That's one. Take a picture. Let us know how long it is. You can't visualize what, how many feet that is, just linear feet. And then we can help you design that so it looks more natural, more like it just, like your house was built in the middle of this park, not, not a few plants were, were thrown out there. And uh, your house is, obviously your house is built. And then you, then you did the afterthought. Design is really super important. And the tighter the houses are, the more important it is. Because you're limited on how many units. Also, another one, if you've got a heavy pressure from deer, javelina, uh, rabbits, uh, wildlife, your your their choices have really, you went from the 20 choices you could have had down to like five, a handful. Your design becomes really critical then because you've got to do something impressive with these five varieties that's not a monoculture. It's not all the same thing. Uh, so that's where some help, you can have an architect help you or just we do design. That's really what we do all day long here at the garden centers. We help people design well, nice looking gardens that are beautiful, that you'd be proud of. And then some, some techniques like the, you know what, if they're really breathing down your neck with a two, two story house and they're looking down over into your, your yard, plant a sacrificial plant that, that you know full well. You're going to cut down in five years. I mean, I've done that technique more times than once. I'll overplant, knowing that I want something really fast growing here because these evergreens, typically evergreens, don't grow as fast as deciduous. Deciduous is plants that lose their leaves. Plants that go dormant in the winter, they are just growing faster. Maple will grow three, four, five feet in a year. The fastest growing Arizona cypress, you might get two. So it's it's a scale two to one. So, but willows lose their leaves in the winter. But typically you're not out there in the winter. And so you're really looking at when I'm out enjoying the patios or the decks or that 
then I'm really, I need some real serious, you know, hot tub time. I want a real serious screen then. So there's some ideas. Anyway, I could keep going on and on. Ken Lane, the Waters, at Waters Garden Center, sorry, the Mountain Gardener. I lose track. Which hat am I on right now? The Mountain Gardener. We're doing radios and podcasts. Be right back. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Spring is the best time to be outdoors, garden, and create a personal oasis in your yard. If you don't know where to start, Waters Personal Garden Service allows you to book an hour of one-on-one time with an expert without the crowds. It's easy by phone or through our website. No lines, no waiting. Purchase a $200 gift card and we'll line you up with one of Waters' private gardeners. You're going to love your yard again. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott or at watersgardencenter.com. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is well pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and odorless, so we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. We were talking about privacy screens, designs, plants. If you want to do some research, don't go to Google. Because you're going to get all this advice from all over the country, all over the world, really. So if you need some real advice, you really want to look at your local region, the Central Highlands or Northern Arizona at the very least. What you'll find is when they say that, let's say a, a, a fir or, or a deodore cedar, oh, it grows to 80 feet tall by 30 feet wide. Not in Arizona. It grows shorter. Apple trees, they grow 20 feet tall by 12 feet wide. Not in Arizona. I was helping a customer with Japanese maples. Oh, it says it grows 20 feet. I have never seen a Japanese maple grow 20 feet here in Arizona because of the sun, the dryness, and really the number one culprit is alkalinity. The water is just so alkaline, it tends to dwarf things. You put a dry wind, let's say in June it's 90 degrees and 10% humidity, that is going to affect how tall or how mature or how happy that plant is going to be. So the leaves will be a little bit smaller, It'll be shorter. The plants are actually trying to balance their perspiration, uh, how much they transpire water from the roots out to the, the foliage. They're trying to control that, and our sun is so intense, it's so dry, that they'll tend to, the leaves will be a little smaller. The foliage mass will be a little sm- shorter. That's something that will happen across the board. And so do your homework on that. Um, oops, sorry, my phone is on. Hopefully that didn't, didn't come across the broadcast. Uh, oh, good. Google said it's spam. They cut them off. Great. So if you're doing local research, there's a great website for local plants, Northern Arizona. This would apply for Northern Arizona. What will happen is your variation on altitude or your south, north facing hills can change your microclimate or your zone possibly. So most of us are going to be a zone 6, 7, somewhere in there. Okay, Cortis Junction, Spring Valley, maybe you're zone 8. 
But really, you're definitely a four-season climate, and you can get snow, you can get cold. Okay, the Verde Valley, Cottonwood, maybe you're a little bit colder because that cold air settles down on top of you, whereas Jerome is facing that east, east face. They're, they're a zone warmer. It just varies. Elevation, Flagstaff, Williams, White Mountains, you're going to be a zone 5, 6. You're a little bit colder. Kingman, uh, lower elevations of pace, you're going to be down in that zone 7 or 8 again. You're going to be a little bit warmer. So the lower the number, the hardier or the colder your plants have to be able to go. So that's going to vary. Uh, Top10plants.com. I put that site together. It is Waters Garden Center sites. It's the plants you see at the Garden Center that's there. It's made really for research. You can buy them right there if you want. I'll take your money anyplace in the register. But mainly people are looking at it, see pictures and descriptions. So it describes how big a Japanese maple will actually grow here locally. So it's not a national thing. It's something we've customized for here's how large an Arizona cypress grows in Arizona. Here's how large an Austrian pine or spruce, they grow shorter. But here's the actual dimensions we're finding in the landscapes here in northern Arizona. This weekend, we're going over some of that design tips. So the garden class, every Saturday at 930, we have a free garden class. This, this, today, this weekend, it was how to design with some flair, which is lots of tech stuff, lots of plant lists. Here's how, how you, here's how you cover a bank to keep it from erosion control. Here's how you do privacy. Went into detail on that. Next week, it's all about wildflowers. So how, January is the time you put wildflowers in. You want to put them down while it is still cold. And then, whoa, if you could have put them down before this last system came through this week, that would have been like magic for wildflowers. You're setting the stage. But if you're going to have poppies and, and flocks and some of these bigger seeds that have a thick hull, they need the freeze-thaw to really germinate well. So we'll go over that next week. They're free. Take a look at watersgardencenter.com. And all they're listed under classes. They're, they're hard to miss. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center, along with the rest of our family, and great staff, just super knowledgeable. Uh, we love talking to fans of the show. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them. At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're wild about wildflowers with many of our own Arizona blends. Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed. Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. As the days get longer and brighter, houseplants can struggle and scorch, but we have the solution. At Waters, we've organized our houseplants from A to Z for the brightest of sunny locations, many even bloom. With experts that know plants and how to make them grow. Shipments of the freshest houseplants in town have just arrived from A to Z and ready for a bright new home. Waters Garden Center, where people who love bright green houseplants, they love to shop, found in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. 
Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.